Alright, creatures of the night, welcome to episode number 86 of Talking Taker, our encyclopedic exploration digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. My name is Alex Dorio, I am one of your co-hosts, I want to thank you for joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking. I am joined, as always, for this episode by my tag team partner, my co-host, my wrestling buddy, my man, Travis White. And Travis, I think it's so appropriate, it's so timely right here, we're about to cover Insurrection 2002, our last UK pay-per-view that we're going to cover here on this podcast. Because you might as well call this our Brexit episode right here. This is our last one. What better time to do it right now? This is our Brexit. Without question. That's amazing. I didn't even think about that. Perfect. How timely, how political, how great. Yes, absolutely. This is our Brexit. You're right, man. I thought we had one more, but proved me wrong. So, yeah, we did not. Now, that's not to say in 2019 they might do some kind of UK pay-per-view show or 2020. Who knows how long the Taker's going to wrestle. So. And it but was not... For now, this is it. It was not the last UK pay-per-view, but it's the last one Undertaker competed right. on up to this point. So it's the last one we'll talk about in detail. And much like the real Brexit, the uh, match itself turns into quite the mess at the end where the wrestlers have no idea <laughs> how to get out of it. So it really, the analogies are all there, man. They absolutely are. Absolutely are. Well, this is good stuff, man. It's uh, going to be fun. It, these UK pay-per-views are always fun to cover because a lot of times we haven't seen them, you know? You had to rent them, or uh, sometimes they weren't even available in the United States. So I know you and I have never seen this show, I don't believe, right? You never saw this one? No, I definitely have not seen this one. So that's, yeah, like yeah, you said, neither. that's been kind of the fun of all this, some finding some hidden gems kind of there out in the open. I know a lot of our fans had seen them. We've got some UK fans out there. We've even got one who was at the show we're going to share some memories of later on at the end when we do that sort of stuff. But for us, yeah, uh, sort of a fun little diversion and excursion through this pay-per-view journey through The Undertaker's career. You know, a little something different that we get to do here every few weeks, and I'm going to be sad to see him go because a lot of them have been really fun. They kind of cut loose in some of these matches. Yeah, they do. They're like glorified house shows sometimes, which house shows are where all the fun happens, you know? Yeah, exactly. TV shows are something cool, but house shows where you get a bunch of cool stuff. Well, yeah, we're going to take it back here on this episode, like we said, to Insurrection, May 2002. The Undertaker in the main event here up against Triple H. We're actually, it's kind of rare for these UK pay-per-views. We're actually going to get quite a bit of build-up here. Uh, over these two weeks of shows, even though they technically don't ever mention that this match is going to take place. Uh, but all the buildup is right. going to play into it. So that'll be neat here as we take the time travel in a motorcycle, we're gonna box it up, put it on the ferry, take it across the pond one last time, and we'll go back to April of 2002 to the night after Backlash uh, as The Undertaker became the number one contender for, you know, the match after Backlash by defeating right, Stone Cold Steve this, Austin. No, not this one. The next <laughs> yeah. match after Backlash. <laughs> exactly. We'll cover the match after Backlash next week on Talking Taker. So. That's right. That's right. That'll be our next the next yeah. episode after this one. And then uh, Exactly. Yeah. Oh. Why don't you tell us about this Raw Travis and our really our first ever 
cross-promotional feud and moments here uh, back at the early days of the brand split. Yeah, again, we talked about the brand split uh, last week and how it began and how from out the gate it didn't mean jack squat. So we're going to continue some more of that. But yeah, this is kind of neat. So we're kind of muddying the waters of our Raw and SmackDown coverage here, but We'll cover what we can and, and how much we can and whatever builds to these matches. So Raw here on uh, Raw 456, excuse me, 465 on April 22nd, 02. Well, that's a good old, uh, you know, day that, excuse me, do you know what day that is over here in America? The 422.02. That's Earth Day. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> Earth Day. So, <laughs> so it's here, your birthday on Eve Earth Day. also. Yeah, also. That's the only reason I know that, so. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's always Earth Day, then birthday for me. So, yeah, love it. <laughs> always. Um, I feel like that's a Daniel Bryan shirt or something. <laughs> yeah. It could be. Birthday, birthday. <laughs> anyway, um, well, Raw opens with a recap of Backlash, whether you got Jericho's interference, Taker's interference, that lead dog and winning. Again, remember last week we talked about it seemed like they were going with Taker and Triple H at Backlash, but they kind of took a detour, and we'll get into that later. But, um, Backstage on Raw, Ric Flair runs into some production jabronis and tries to high-five them. Like, he's just like their dad or something on the T-ball team, coaching the T-ball team, and they're not having any of it. And it, basically, he thinks that, like, they tried – excuse me. He thinks they think he tried to screw Austin last night with the foot on the rope and all that stuff. So he swears, I didn't see the foot on the rope, and turns around immediately into the Undertaker who's standing there with his hat on backwards. So – he could have been coaching team all team as well. <laughs> Opposite teams uh, right there. Exactly. I feel like dads that coach team all teams have their hats on backwards always. So, I think so. That's just a thing. Well, Taker slowly takes his glasses off, looks at Flair. He's like, thanks, Rick. You did the right thing. And Flair's like, I didn't see his leg on the rope. And Taker goes, well, say what you will, but all I'm saying is I owe you one. In fact, I'm going to go out in front of the people right now and thank you publicly because you did the right thing. Which I don't know why he has to thank him publicly in front of people. He was public right there in front of a camera with millions watching at home, so I don't know. That doesn't count. Come on. Yeah, I guess I guess not. I guess not. Well, Taker walks out. You know, he's the number one contender for the match after backlash, as they say, and um but now they call it judgment day, so we we got that headed headed our way. So he kinda paces around in the ring before he talks because I just, to me, it was a kind of a mixed reaction. He's still getting that booze and cheers a little bit here, so. Right. But um, he starts going, and he's like, as your number one contender, I would like to take this time to compliment somebody on a job well done. Ric Flair called that match right down the middle, and when the time was right, he counted one, two, three. But the whole time he's doing this, the crowd is just, what? What? But he doesn't do what he did. Was that last month when you said he took control of it and – uh put him in their place he does not do that again no nah, he doesn't have that comeback in the holster for this one yeah well he already used it he wanted to be a dead yeah. horse i guess so but um he says no matter what the circumstances he was going to beat austin last night uh, anyway so and then uh he says i get to go to judgment day and i get to fight the immortal hulk hogan that's right i know everybody is all caught up in this hulk hogan comeback story everybody's caught up in that miracle win last night. And yes, Hogan, you're welcome. Oh, I knew that was coming. Because without me, you wouldn't have got that victory. He says at Judgment Day, I'll become the judge, jury, and executioner of Hulkamania and will be crowned the WWF Undisputed Champion. So, you know, getting ready for that. 
But again, we're building toward insurrection here. Um, right. Then, then we see another thing that doesn't that makes the brand split not mean a daggum thing. We see Triple H walking backstage, and Taker's like, "What? He can't be here. He's supposed to be on SmackDown." So, again, every week there's something else that makes the brand split meaningless. I feel exactly. The, the rules are supposed to be that I guess. Triple H lost the title to a SmackDown guy, so I guess he has to go over to SmackDown. So he's supposed to be right. a SmackDown wrestler now, and immediately he's here on Monday Night Raw. We talked about Vince McMahon on the yeah. first brand-exclusive Raw. He was the general manager of SmackDown, showed up on Raw. They've been <laughs> showing video clips of both shows on, on all the shows. It's just been so ridiculous, man. It's been less... It's been one month, and they cannot... Keep yeah, themselves exactly. separated. And we'll get, uh, well, we'll try to put a stop to that later on with something uh, that happens on one of these episodes, but we'll see how long that lasts. So, um, well, Triple H storms out and he tackles Undertaker and he starts punching him and they're rolling back and forth in the ring, trading punches and um, start fighting on the outside. And Triple H tackles him over the announce table and starts beating him in the head with a TV monitor. So <laughs> it's really, it's really violent. It's really cool to see. I mean, it's very intense, I would say. Um, but uh, Taker's busted open, which I feel like we spent the first, I don't know, eight, nine years of his career seeing blood what, one time. And now I feel like it's a monthly basis. Like, he's just bleeding everywhere. All over the place, man. <laughs> yeah. It's just... Oh, he's the new Ric Flair. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> He's a steady diet of baby aspirin these days. <laughs> and But dude, he was but anyway. he was acting like Ric Flair during this beatdown too. Yeah. He's begging off. He is crying and wailing. I mean, this is might be the biggest yeah. beatdown we've ever seen Undertaker get. And I know that's saying a oh, lot. It is, but I mean I, I agree. Um you know, they start slugging away and Hunter's um see me Taker staggers up and Hunter kinda of runs after him and uh, the refs try to hold him back, and he starts keeping uh, keeps assaulting Taker, and they're fighting to the rampway, and uh, like on the side of the aisleway. And he's, Taker's uh, getting beat up by Triple H, and he's throwing Taker against like the the side panels, and there's blood all over the panels. Yeah. And stuff. It's really cool visual, but I'm not sure if that was supposed to happen or not. But it's a really neat visual to see Taker just get his butt handed to him, and his blood literally spilled on the in the arena. You know, so yeah. pretty cool. Well, Taker takes the heel route, and he kicks him in the Death Valley area and then retreats backstage, and Triple H is in hot pursuit, though. No selling that low blow, <laughs> like only the game can. So um, they're brawling back in the production equipment, and the King's like, well, you notice how no other Raw superstars are helping Undertaker out, which I mm. thought was good on King. You know, yeah, for, He's not touch. usually on it with stuff like that. Yeah, usually that's JR's forte, but King was, was on it, so... Then Triple H smashes Taker's head into a car, and then he grabs a sledgehammer out the back seat. So, I, who keeps their sledgehammer in the back seat? I don't Dude, know. But. Never leave home without your sledgehammer. <laughs> I Especially not. if you're Triple H. Especially if you're the game. Well, yeah, he has it in riding in the back seat for safety issues. I guess it wasn't old enough to ride in the front. But anyway, he gets it out and hits Taker in the gut with it. Um, and then goes to hit him again, and two security jabronis pull him off, and the police get there, and they handcuff Triple H, and but he gets one more swift kick in to Taker's stomach, and Taker's begging off this whole time and just really yeah. selling him. Like you said, it's really 
the most vulnerable that we've seen. I feel like we've said that a lot, but it, this is the most vulnerable we've seen. It, them, it's I, in one my of, yeah, if not yeah. the, and <laughs> it's the, I love the intensity here because the cops, they just run Triple H, they like, actually, they reach for their guns, like, as they're <laughs> go, trying to restrain Triple H, like, they're about to shoot this guy <laughs> for a shoot <laughs> if he doesn't stop. <laughs> Like, that taking it to another level. End. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's that's pilmanizing things. Yeah. Uh, but you know, really, Triple H got to look strong did. there. Oh, he probably kicked out of the gunshot. He <laughs> 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 no sold the gunshot too, at this point. I'm kind of surprised that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Well, um, oh, uh, we see during the break the Triple H is taken out in, in a police car, so. Assuming he's taken to the local precinct. But then I wanted to mention this too. We see in flashbacks throughout the night of Hulk Hogan's title wins over the years and uh, the one over Undertaker at uh, Tuesday in Texas back in 91 is shown where he actually, again, let me remind you, he cheated to win the title as Babyface. He hit him with the urn, I believe it was. So, again, I want to mention that because Hulk Hogan, I believe, is always been a heel <laughs> and he's you're right you're exactly right it's always been hogan style man he's, he's always been a heel we just didn't know for like 20 years but yeah he well, really has still loved him no matter what <laughs> oh yeah i didn't care um you know it's just it's cool to see him with the title again but a uh, nice we've talked about the illiteracy of, of wrestling fans and how dumb some of us are uh present company excluded but um <laughs> I'd like to say that there's a sign that says Hollywood Hogan mm. is in the crowd. I mean, this little kid couldn't even put a W, Hollywood. It just says Hollywood <laughs> Hogan. And I'm just like, poor, poor guy. Maybe he like, ran out of room on the sign or something. But the, the letter's in the middle of the word. <laughs> it's not even like Hollywood. It's Hollywood. <laughs> it's just, oh, maybe he confused the Y as part of the W. I don't know what he did. But anyway, bless his heart. But he makes it on TV, so he's he's famous. Of course, I feel like yeah. the producers seek out signs that have <laughs> bad spelling in there. That's like a something they do for fun Kevin while Dunn they're in their production truck. Yeah. yeah, they they play like production truck bingo. Like if yes. you can find how many can you find? <laughs> so, uh, well, anyway, he um he says the first thing he has to say is that Triple H deserves a rematch, and he says if it wasn't for Undertaker, maybe I'll be standing here a champion. Maybe I wouldn't. And then he goes on to put himself over like only Hulk Hogan can. Uh, but again, well deserved in my opinion. I'm not I'm not crapping on him at this point in his career. He deserves it. Um, put himself over talking about Hulk Hogan being reborn and talks about how Vince um, on SmackDown says that. Um, or excuse me, talks about Vince from SmackDown last week and says that the reality is that he is now the WWF champion. And he says, you know, this whole end can can uh, or this whole run can end tomorrow. And I'll leave a happy man because Hulk Hogan is running wild and is as strong as it's ever been. Then he goes on to give this, in my opinion, a very 80s promo about the Hulkamaniacs and your prayers and Bible. It just doesn't, in hindsight, looking at it now, I just it didn't age well. But um, for him at the time, man, it was cool to see. I know, I mean, I'm sure you were marking out because you were the biggest Hulkamaniac, you know. So. Oh yeah, 100 uh, percent, man. And it's you know I, I was thinking about this run, and we're gonna talk about it more next week with yeah. the Undertaker Hogan match, and there's not as much build to it this time, but. This run right here with Hogan on top and this nostalgia, this is arguably a huge turning point for the company right here. And it's kind of set up the way that WWE has been running 
a little bit, uh, somewhat, over the past 17 years since then. I mean, look at WrestleMania mm. coming up here, WrestleMania 35, and you've got all these part-timers. You've got Triple H and Batista there having that having their nostalgia match because that's what that is <clears throat> right. right there. And then, you, you know, every year we have, you know, we have Brock Lesnar being a part-timer and, and all this sort of stuff. If, Taker, if Taker's there, if John Cena's there, there part-timers, yeah. Yep. The Rock comes back every couple years, and it's it's always a big part of WrestleMania. Now all this nostalgia stuff. Goldberg's run with the title a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. We've seen it so many times. Sting, yeah. Mm-hmm. This was the beginning of that. Hulk Hogan coming back here within two months of coming back. He's WWF champion. This was a guy that had been torn apart mercilessly. By Vince McMahon, the WWF for the past few years, the the billionaire yep. Ted sketches, mm-hmm. talking about how the, they were, you know, the geriatrics <clears throat> over in WCW, and this is the new generation of the WWF, and they're yep. bringing in Austin and Triple H and The Rock, all these young guys back when they were young, and then all of a sudden, just like this, we've turned and not only do we have the nostalgia act back for the first time they used to never have nostalgia acts right but now they threw the title on them and <laughs> that's they're right, gonna man. be their mind that's a new thing that we're seeing birthed here is the presence of these nostalgia acts having a huge role in the company this was the beginning of it you know for better or for worse i never thought about it that way because um but yeah dude you're absolutely right this is this is the beginning of that. So, um, wow, what a cool uh, thing! So, would you say that Undertaker is responsible? I'm just kidding. He could. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He's not. He, he put the title on Hogan. He helped him win. Wait, hey, you know yeah. what? Maybe, maybe he is responsible. Oh, that's funny. But yeah, man, I I agree. You're completely right about that. So, um, well, the power of the Hulkamaniacs is running wild here, and and Hulkamania, excuse me, Hulk Hogan, is going to end this promo saying. Because Undertaker, what you gonna do? What you gonna do in Judgment Day, Taker? What you gonna do, brother? What Hulkamania and all my Hulkamaniacs run wild on? And he rips his shirt, you know, as only he can do. So, of course, um, good stuff there. Good stuff there. Not, um, yeah. Kind of, again, we're trying to build them toward uh, insurrection, and uh, we're not we're not building toward insurrection on TV. We're building to it, kind of, but we're building toward Judgment Day on TV. So we're going to talk about a little bit of both of it. So, I mean, the only thing that means business more than taking the straps down off your shirt is ripping your shirt completely open. Oh right yes, there. Um, basically chest nudity means you serious business. Yes, <laughs> any form of chest nudity. Yes. <laughs> Whether you're ripping your shirt to show it or taking the straps down, if you're exposing the nipples to a, a, a opponent, that's that's you saying it's business time. This baby. means it's business time. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we encourage you to get as many talking take your t-shirts as you need out there, so that you can rip them apart and show people you need business. Stock up in bulk. Tpublic.com. Show them you're ready to take care of business. Exactly. exactly. Well, well, over- twice last week at the beach. Ooh, Sorry, go ahead. Tank top? <laughs> no, no, ah. no, no. Regular. Cut the sleeves off? No way. No way. <laughs> no way. All right. Over on SmackDown, talking about nostalgia over here. SmackDown, April 25th, <laughs> 2002. 
the opposite of that would be this new breed. You know, we're, we're post-WrestleMania here. We've got uh, new guys coming in and being called up. And, dude, I completely misremembered this in my head. Because if you would have asked me, I would have bet $100 that John Cena made his debut with Kurt Angle like three or four months before Randy Orton debuted. Oh, really? I totally thought that was... Oh, no way, man. Cena came first, but I was completely wrong, man. This is the episode right here where one of The Undertaker's future... Iconic opponents, Randy Orton makes his WWF debut, and I, I completely forgot that's how it happened in my head. Oh, that's funny. You know, I remember this like it was yesterday, because I remember we got Brock Lesnar, and then Orton was next, Batista's next, Cena's the last one. I uh, totally forgot and then that. The, and then at the end of the year, you're going to get Haas and Benjamin, but um, those main four guys, uh, yeah, Cena was the last one debut, and it was... Uh, He's the one that's going to be the biggest and best out of all of them. Yeah. It's funny how that happened. But, yeah, no, I remember this Randy Orton debut like it was yesterday, man. I remember this match with uh, Harker Holly. So, um, wasn't sure what to think of this guy. Oh, but, I didn't care for him. <laughs> yeah, he, his face reminded me of our eighth grade math teacher, and I couldn't stand that guy. So, this guy's face looks just like our eighth grade math teacher. They could be related. Sure. <laughs> yeah, they look like it's a sign or something. So, he, anyway. He yeah. also looks like he'd be on 205 Live here at this point in time man tiny tiny and he does crossbody i think so oh yeah man it's crazy to see how much he's changed but Mm -hmm. anyway that's not what we're here to talk about just wanted to point it out there as we you know we point out some of these milestones of the guys that are going to go on to face taker speaking Um, of pointing how about triple h's finger here (laughs) pointer finger (laughs) pointing his fingers Point him at you. Nah, it's point. It's wrapped up. Like I guess he injured it in that brawl on Monday. So I guess weird. so, man. Dropped yeah. a sledgehammer on it or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, but you know, a lot of the stuff's kind of sort, kind of sort of has to do with Undertaker here. But uh, well, you know, I don't know if we actually mentioned it at the beginning, but obviously Undertaker cost Triple H the title. At backlash against Hulk Hogan, so that's why their feud. That's why yeah. Triple H beat him up so badly on Raw, and on this episode of SmackDown, um, Triple H is going to face Chris Jericho in the main event to see who the new number two contender, or I guess number one. Contender, it's confu- <laughs> He's going to be the SmackDown contender for yeah. the undisputed champion. Basically, the winner of this match is going to face. Hulk Hogan on next week's SmackDown before Undertaker gets his title shot at Judgment Day. This but, is why this brand split failed. That this cross, at least this title, that title holder being on both shows. That's why this failed. This stuff right and here. And doesn't that completely negate the entire storyline between Austin and Taker last that's what month I'm at Backlash? That's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, it completely negates it. It's like he's supposed to be the number one contender for the match after Backlash, but now here we're going to have Jericho and Triple H to fight Hogan next week. It's like, no, that's, ah, uh, yeah, frustrating, man, from a continuity standpoint. So It's very frustrating, and they, you know, going in circles trying to, to make sense of it here. But the main event is Triple H and Jericho for the number one contendership. And the end comes when Jericho, he's got two chairs in the ring, he throws one in the ring, uh, the referee Tim White tosses one out, and Triple H misses a DDT on the chair, to Jericho. Oh, by a long shot. <laughs> <laughs> While they're going on, we cut to the back, and 
Vince McMahon is um, basically dry humping Stacy Keebler backstage. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's he's moved on from Trish to Stacy as his new play thing, as we talked a little bit about last week. And yeah. the Undertaker walks into Stacy's to Vince's locker room, not into Stacy, but. Uh, <laughs> And Vince is like, what the hell are you doing here? Um, interrupting his disturbing lovemaking session there. Um, exactly. <laughs> and continuing the fact that the brand split is just not a thing anymore because he's a raw right. guy and now he's appearing on SmackDown. <sighs> Starting to give me a headache already. But um, I know. Uh, Cole and Taz start screaming about the Red Devil being in the building to chalk another nickname up to The Undertaker mm-hmm. here. And The Undertaker ends up interfering in the match. He comes in from out of nowhere, out of the crowd, I guess, onto the apron. Yeah. Triple H punches him down and gets rolled up by Jericho to give Jericho the pin and make him the number 1A contender to the Undisputed <laughs> title, I guess. <laughs> it doesn't yeah, make I any guess. sense. <laughs> Uh, no. But uh, no. <laughs> Undertaker and Jericho double team on the game for a little bit here. So that's a team up we haven't seen too much of, Undertaker and Jericho. True. And then uh, Taker goes to do the Takerizer to Triple H and slam his throat down onto the chair. But Hogan makes the save, sends Undertaker packing, clotheslines Undertaker over the top rope as the commentary calls Undertaker the number one contender, even though Jericho <laughs> just became the number one contender. Um, that's how the brand split's so going, frustrated. everybody. <laughs> For those who keep it at score, good luck. I have no idea. God this is as frustrating to me as the invasion was to you. <laughs> it's, it's so frustrating. It's, it's really not that complicated. It shouldn't be. Right. Right. Just One keep, guy gets you, to travel to both shows. It's the champion. And you should, if exactly. you're going to ever have them cross streams, maybe like wait a year or something. Make yeah. Don't cross the streams this early. Right. It's not that hard. In the great words of the offspring, you got to keep them separated. So Absolutely. <laughs> Come out and play. <laughs> oh, anyway. Well, that takes us to Raw 466 on April 29th, though, too. All right, let me just tell you what's going to happen here. Hulk Hogan is going to face William Regal in a match that I promise you no one would have thought would have happened back in January. Yes, sir. Promise you. Promise you. If I told you that it's going to be Hulk Hogan and William Regal on WWF television, you just said, no way, Jose. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I, I wouldn't have guessed him either. <laughs> I would love to see that match. <laughs> oh, uh, not really. No way. Anyway, well. <laughs> Backstage, we we see um, Sergeant Slaughter making a phone call and uh, on a payphone. Which uh, those of you listening, hopefully you're old enough to know what a payphone is. You used to have to use those before everybody had cell phones. Uh, but, they uh, definitely sure had cell phones using... at this time. <laughs> they could have had cell oh, phones. I said, before, ev- I said before everyone had cell phones. Okay. Not what people had before everyone had one. Yeah, everyone has one now. So um, I'm not sure if you're using ten ten two twenty ten ten three two one. 1-800-CALL-ATT. Definitely one of those. I don't know. Yeah. One of those. Although they're usually sponsored uh, WCW, so Mm -hmm. who knows. But um, anyway, Taker hangs up the phone for him, uh, which is just rude. Just how rude. Very rude. uh, Very, very, very rude. And um, he says that Slaughter and Hogan go way back, and he's like, you know, I know you've had lots of battles um, and tough wars, but you got that mutual respect thing going on. And um, Slaughter's like, yeah, and 
he says, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Taker tells Slaughter to, to tell Hogan he's going to get called out in, to the ring tonight. Then he picks up the payphone and I, did he call someone? I don't know. I don't know. Let the speculation begin. Mystery exactly. angle. Who's he calling? I bet he's calling the guys who picked up Samoa Joe in the uh, in the Hummer in the white Hummer in TNA. <laughs> Put all these like loose threads. The guy together. who attacks Hideo Tommy. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, so next, maybe they're going to find out what was in Vince's lockbox while they're at it. Ooh, yes, exactly. I can't wait till we cover that, so that'd be great. Well, Taker rides out to the ring and commentary, once again, call him the number one contender, even though on Thursday we just saw Jericho <laughs> become number one contender, so I just, I don't know. What, what commentary does mention is, well, who's he going to face, Jericho or Hogan? No. So at least they mentioned that, but yeah. still, there's two number one contenders. <laughs> He's a number two contender. He is, He's literally the number first, two contender. The, the, you're the first runner-up contender. <laughs> they should call it. First runner-up. This whole build-up um, is number two, so, you know, it fits. <laughs> exactly. Well, Taker says he remembers Hogan's first run. You know, the people would get up and scream, and little children would get on their father's shoulders and just to get a glimpse of their hero. Probably after a t-ball game, you know. They might have come. I don't know. <laughs> so, um, he said, but do you remember what happened when I came to the ring? But Hogan... Back in the day, do you remember what happened when I would come to the ring? All those smiles, all the laughter would be replaced by frowns and tears. Those small kids would get off their father's shoulders, hide behind his legs. They would hide there in fear, Hogan. Just like you hide in fear when you think about facing me. Which, is this the first, one of the first mentions he's had of his old persona, isn't it? I mean, I don't remember him calling it. I mean, he hasn't denied it, but it's not like it's been brought up a lot. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I, I couldn't recall anything like that. So, he says, you know, when I came to the ring, all those smiles were replaced by frowns and tears. Um, which, we mentioned. Oh my god. At, I love this, man. I love this promo because it's so oh, true. Yeah. You go back, like, you watch some of those old superstars that just put on the network, and every time Undertaker comes out, they get the shots of the kids cowering mm-hmm. in fear in the crowd, covering their eyes, like, just, or just, just like a weird, like, just bug eyed look on their face. Yeah. I don't know what to make of them. I, it was so, so rooted in fact, this promo. Exactly. So cool, man. I loved it. It was good. And yeah, yeah, Taker says, he's like, I'm not like all those folks who were awestruck by your presence. I'm not impressed because I beat you, mm-hmm. you know? And um, he says, you know, I'm better than you are now and better than you were in your prime, which I thought was pretty cool dig at him. So, um, and again, allegedly there were still some backstage issues between these two based off of, you know, 1991. So I don't know how true that is. I mean, I'm not, we're not dirt sheets, but you know, there's hearsay and stuff you, you read over the years, but I'm not sure if those were Shootsky comments there or if they were scripted or whatever. But anyway, he says Hogan has always known the pain that Undertaker can inflict. And he says, you know, you, in fact, you ran off from the yet because you thought I was going to hurt you. So, Ooh. yeah, I thought that was pretty cool taking shots at him. And um, he says, you know, you're, uh, that's why you're so anxious to face Triple H again because uh, – and you're probably going to lose to Jericho on Thursday, he says. But I can take that living, breathing icon and take him and leave him in a bloody shell of a man. All you got to do – is ask Ric Flair, which 
that kind of just fell in their lap, I think, in my opinion. Like, the thing with Flair was planned, obviously, but then this thing with Hogan, you know, we've kind of said how this nostalgia trip is changing and depends around, but that is kind of neat little continuity there that he did just beat another icon, you know, from the from yesteryear. So pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, it did worked out in a cool way, and I thought this was a <laughs> yeah. great great promo from Undertaker touching on oh, yeah. reality and bringing that into the feud here. Yeah, absolutely. And he says, you know, when you come face to face with Undertaker, the party is over. And, you know, um, I'll see you at Judgment Day. And he says, I want to see the expression on people's faces when I destroy the legend of Hulk Hogan. So, so then Hogan comes out. And I believe, what's what's the name of his theme song here? I, I guess it's called Not Voodoo Child. It's 100% not Jimi Hendrix. I mean, it's a, you know, for, it is what it is, man. It's, it's yeah. It's not the original song. Let's just say that. <laughs> it's like the Muzak version. It's awful. <laughs> but, but the problem is when Hogan's coming out, he's singing the lyrics and doing the hand chop with the chop oh, yeah. with the edge of my axe. Like, and so it's, it just doesn't match up. It sucks. But anyway, when he comes out here, they get nose to nose in the ring. And I forgot how tall of a man that Hulk Hogan is. He's standing next to oh, Taker. He's, he's only like two inches shorter than him. He's a big yeah. dude, man. Yeah, he's a big guy. So um jr's like there's a lot of history between these two and talks about 1990 and 1991 and um digger says he knows you know i know you want a piece of me but let me tell you what i'm going to do when hulkamania runs wild on me i'm going to beat you down like the bleep that you are so calls him a little female dog there and uh then hogan takes doesn't take too kindly to this and he winds up slapping undertaker but then he bails up the ramp um so yeah it was what it was. So Taker's a little heelish there. I mean, not Taker, uh, Hogan with the old, the old slap there. So <laughs> oh, he was getting, he got called a, oh, called yeah, a B, right, you know, yeah. he's got to fight back for himself. Like a real American. He takes, he takes off his belt and threatens to hit Taker with it. And if those of you who, um, paid attention in WCW, there was a very, very, very famous match. The Yappapai <laughs> Indian strap match. It's always been one of your my favorites. So we're going to call this belt the Yappapai belt that he takes off here. Of course, that's what it is. <laughs> if anyone knows the origin of the Yappapai Indian strap or the Yappapai belt, please let us know. So, <laughs> I think Hogan talked about it before. <laughs> yeah, I want to know the real one. Huh. The real. What? Um, is that real? Hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, then we're going to get Hogan versus Regal in the main event of raw in 2002 oh you gotta um, talk about william regal's promo before the match though oh absolutely so good. so good so he's um he's asks uh he invites hogan out to a spot of tea oh actually. no 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 before that his backstage promo did you not catch oh out? oh golly yeah man yeah he's backstage he's got all this hulk hogan merchandise around him man it's all hulkamania old hulkamania stuff he's got a, a clip from the rock and wrestling cartoon that he's watching there uh, little hasbro figures the ljn figures and he's like you know it's a shame people look up to this man and not a proper hero like like me you know and um golly it was it was incredible man I... it was really really funny and cool for some reason i've always remembered that backstage promo because it's so different like he's because yeah. he's got all the hogan red and yellow all around him he's it's yeah. william regal he's making great facial expressions the whole time right people buy this crap you know i mean look at this look i mean they hang this on their walls I mean, look 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 at this look at this look look oh look at me look at me i'm a hulk i'm a hulkamaniac and i've got my silly little 
Hulk Hogan cup of my hat and my silly little doll, and I look a complete bloody pillock. Uh, I, I just loved it, and I love this. It's, it's cheesy and silly, and it's not really a match, but I love this, this next segment great. too. Oh yeah, what's about to happen is is fantastic and just perfect entertainment. Again, William Regal, I think, is one of not only the most underrated wrestlers, one of the most underrated sports entertainers, quote unquote. Like he is, he's got it all, man. Well, he's in the main event here, and um, he says, you know, we should act like gentlemen, and I'm going to offer you a spot of tea. And he's got a little table outside with his little tea on it, his little tea um, things. I guess it's um, has the, had the pee pee removed from it from Chris Jericho from last year. I don't know. Maybe he was oh. pulling a rib on Hogan. <laughs> it could have been. You saw how it worked on him. So anyway, he pours two cups of tea and uh, toasts to Hogan, and Hogan takes a swig and then just spits it in Regal's face, hits him with the tray and the table, and starts beating him up. <laughs> just attacks him unprovoked. Again, kind of a heel move here, but he's all Hogan, so it doesn't matter. So it's the crowd's so eating freaking it up. random. Yeah. Throw William Regal <laughs> into this. <laughs> well, Dude, this elaborate hate- thing. You need to give away a big blockbuster match like that on free TV, you know, with <laughs> Hulk Hogan and Bill Regal. You gotta so. save it. <laughs> you gotta say, make him pay for it, man. Make him pay. But yeah, dude, I, I love this segment. Um, he starts beating him up, and they uh, they um, he throws Regal into the ring and starts punching him. And then Taker runs out and attacks Hogan from behind and starts doing his punches and body shots and Irish whips him and clotheslines him and winds up taking off that Yapapai Indian strap belt mat belt thing and starts. Uh, Holds it up where he's got the buckle, like in between his fingers, and he, you know, holds it up. And he's a great show when he shows it to the crowd, like this is what I'm going to do. You know, he holds it there and winds up uh, nailing Hulk Hogan in the head with it, mm. and opens up Hogan's head. And if you watch before that's coming, you can see Hogan take the blade out of his hand and put oh. his hand up there. It's it's so obvious, man. <laughs> but but um, man, it was it was cool to see him do that. And it's brutal. Uh, starts, yeah, it is. Starts whipping him with it. Like a government mule, I believe Jr. says several times. So um, begins choking Hogan with it and starts chasing off Earl Hebner. And um, said Jr.'s like, Taker has no conscience. He's got no conscience. But I thought he was the conscience. So there we have. So he's lost his way. Come on. I guess he has. So well, then he chokeslams Hulk Hogan and uh, gets in his face and says something that we can't hear. But the crowd is just heaping heat on him, booing and booing and booing him. And, he grabs the, the undisputed title and just puts it over Hogan's body. That's how we go off the air here. So really getting a lot of heat for this uh, Triple H. <laughs> Time to take her match All right. Well, we'll get to that on SmackDown. On Hulk Hogan. Yeah. yeah I know. We'll come back to that. But, um, I mean, that was a really great way to build heat for Judgment Day. Sure. It was. And just to tease next week, that's probably going to be the highlight. That's the best part of it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank build you. up yeah. to Judgment Day. <laughs> It's all downhill from there, folks, with with the Hulkster. Spoiler alert. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> oh, man, just using that sharp end of the belt, just imagine yeah, like, man. jamming that into somebody's head. I'd never seen something like that before, but it's a great heel move right there. It's like the Abdul the Butcher uh, fork spot. Oh, you know? yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Brutal. Uh, so meanwhile, over so, on SmackDown. So was his food. You <laughs> <laughs> didn't like the Chinese food buffet? <laughs> just kidding. Oh, I liked it, but then about an hour later, I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that Ab- one day. Abdullah's right. Revenge. Yeah. WrestleMania 27 episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, episode 141 on May 2nd, 2002. Just a couple quick things here before we get to the pay-per-view. Uh, mainly that 
Uh, we're going to get this backstage segment with Vincent Man trying to make out with Stacy Keebler's belly button backstage. Oh I mean, if you're a billionaire, wouldn't you do that? He, he just gets to pick women that work for him and just cheat on his wife in front of millions of people. It's pretty disgusting. It's, yeah. It's, he's about to make out with her navel. Like, literally. He's oh, acting. Uh, he's not acting. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But uh, Jericho, unfortunately, interrupts him. And maybe that's why Vince has always hated Chris Jericho. I don't know. <laughs> but... Uh, Jericho wants to know how Hogan's not going to just get himself disqualified tonight in their match to, uh, just to keep his title. And so Vince decides to make it no disqualification. And then Jericho says, well, what, is Undertaker going to interfere? And Vince points out that he and Flair, after last week's incidents, have decided that no more Raw and SmackDown guys are going to be able to jump back and forth between each other's shows. Or they'll be suspended immediately. Well, was that decided upon now? Yeah. When, shouldn't that decided that upon last month? I believe it was. But and then, yeah. Yeah, but I do appreciate that he says that. Keep that in your minds, folks. Keep that in your mind. If you appear on someone else's show, you'll be suspended immediately. <laughs> so. uh, Jericho wants to know if Triple H. What happens if he interferes? And Vince says he will be committing career suicide if that happens. So instead of interfering, Triple H ends up doing commentary for mm-hmm. the main event tonight. Because uh, Vince tells him if he interferes, his career is over, blah, 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 blah. And so Jericho and Hogan have their first ever match together here on SmackDown. And Jericho yeah. is about to pin Hogan. Like I said, Triple H comes out just to do commentary instead and distract Chris Jericho. Hogan does the Hulk up, all that typical stuff. And Chris Jericho is about to win. He puts Hogan into a walls of Jericho. Jericho or Hogan gets the ropes. Jericho gets the chair, and then Undertaker's music hits. All of a sudden, we hear Limp Biscuit blaring through the speakers, and that distracts Chris Jericho, and that allows Hogan to roll Jericho up or hit the leg drop or something. Uh, he rolls him up, and yeah, rolls him Jericho up for like the heel. Win. Yeah, <laughs> he's Hogan, man. Yeah, I know. Uh, and then since it. the match is over, Triple H attacks Jericho. So maybe uh, maybe Undertaker was calling the sound production crew at SmackDown uh, when he ah. picked up the payphone the other night to get him to play his music. There you go. <laughs> hey, hit my music during the main event, yeah. monkeys. Yeah, that's what he said. Sure. Why not? Mystery solved. There you go. Exactly. But I guess that doesn't count as an appearance, technically, even though he appeared on the TitanTron. But... Right. <laughs> yeah. He let us slide. He wasn't technically there. He wasn't let technically go, there. So. so still a little more stuff going on with Undertaker and Triple H. Still tension rising between those guys a little bit. Triple H using Undertaker to his advantage here, I guess. I don't know. It, it doesn't really make a whole yeah. lot of sense. But uh, Well, now, was Taker there? Because on commentary, Triple H says... Is it getting cold in here, guys? It feels like the Undertaker's here, like mm. like they used to say back in the ninety early nineties, you know. So maybe he was his presence was felt. Who knows? Mm. So anyway, the presence I'm of the totally Undertaker is it, everywhere. <laughs> exactly. Oh, exactly. But yeah, man. So a little bit of build toward this Triple H again. Um, actually, you know, it's well. I think uh, 
not next week. We got to that. We're going to cover a Triple H Undertaker match too, aren't we? I think so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This this bill kind of goes several months. So, but um, anyway, this is um, it leads us to Insurrection 2002. This is uh, May 4th uh, from the Wembley Arena in London, England. Which um, this is where Taker had his uh, iconic. Uh, Entrance back at uh, SummerSlam '92, right? Wasn't it the that was Wembley? At Wembley Stadium? That was the outdoor stadium. Room. Oh yeah, that's right. That's what that. Yeah. That's right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. But yeah, my bad. Nah, you're on on the Same right track, track there. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, you know these two guys, Undertaker and Triple H, they've definitely got some unsettled business here as we head into this UK pay per view. And like we said, there are two more UK pay per views. I believe there's one in the fall, and then there's one in May of '03. But this is the last one that Undertaker ever appears on. Uh, and we still have not got another one yet to this day, which is kind of a shame, man. They're doing all these yeah. other foreign shows. I'd love to see UK get another pay-per-view. Um, honestly. Yeah, TakeOver there. Why not? Do they did have TakeOver there. I like. Yeah, NXT TakeOver was there. I doubt they'll ever do a WrestleMania, even though I think it'd be awesome. But I don't see why they couldn't do a Rumble or a SummerSlam from the UK again. I think yeah. it'd be awesome. It'd be great, man. They can, should do that. You can do whatever you want with the network. <clears throat> oh yeah, for sure, man. Well, um, speaking of this being the last thing, the last UK interview we're going to cover, this is also the last television broadcast ever under the WWF name. The uh, very next day, they'd kind of quietly switch to WWE, and uh, on Monday night, they're going to debut that name. We'll cover all that next week, but um. It's just a funny little twist of fate I, I found doing some research because it was actually a UK court ruling that determines that the WWF World Wrestling Federation cannot use those um, that image and those letters outside, you know, internationally. And it's just crazy that the last WWF pay per view is in the UK. I just thought yeah. that was like what a what a sh- like bit of irony, you know? How funny is that? So. Um. It is, man. And like you said, we'll talk about that some more next week as we get into the first Raw and and the first pay-per-view. They're all under the WWE banner, certainly the death of a name that, I mean, people still use to this day in its shorthand. I still use it, yeah. Yeah, I still go back and forth. I still call it WWF, yeah. Yeah, it's still iconic and burned in our brains. And it's also going to be the last night of employment for a few guys as well. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, this is the infamous, if those of you have ever heard of the plane ride from hell trip uh, that results in Mr. Perfect and Xbox uh, getting getting fired, which something about the Minnesota blood, man, was that <laughs> something bad going over the international waters there, but yeah, this... Minnesota blood alcohol is... content. <laughs> exactly. Hey, it's before and after, like Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> call back, call back. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, this is the player from hell that uh, Xbox gets fired. I think Scott Hall gets fired. Mr. Perfect gets fired. Uh, I believe Brock Lesnar fights somebody on the uh, plane. Uh, Michael, Michael Hayes, Hayes gets, gets his, his ponytail cut off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is awful. Um, yeah, awful stuff. But we'll cover a little bit of that, too, next week, I believe. So, But, uh, yeah, I had no idea on well, the insurrection, which ran in paper, we were going to cover so much cool stuff. So. <laughs> it's a very infamous time. Um, it is. Speaking of X-Pac, you mentioned last week that he was the only guy to go from NWO to DX back to NWO. Yeah. We forgot that he went back to DX because he's 
Oh. Like WrestleMania 31 and all these You're other right. going in the Hall of Fame. He went back and forth and back and forth. Dang, he did, man. Yeah, he ping ponged back and forth between two most iconic stables of all time. Yeah. Um, wow, how about that? Just thought I'd mention good that. I was listening to the last week's episode. You mentioned that. Yeah, no, good. Yeah, that's funny. I didn't think about that. So, yeah, well, again, this is a raw exclusive pay per view. Except. <laughs> some reason main event is triple h in an easel smackdown which again i told you a few minutes ago to remember that if you show up on someone else's show you're uh suspended immediately but um i don't know no anyway, they don't it doesn't make sense they don't give any explanation as to how this match is happening or why it's happening or why it's allowed to happen mm. nothing like that it's just there and i guess it's technically the first ever interpromotional match in Raw and SmackDown history, I think, unless we missed one. I guess, well, I guess it is, technically, technically speaking, because, yeah, Triple H is supposed to be SmackDown exclusive and Taker's Raw exclusive, so how about that? How about it? <laughs> how about it? Um, yeah, man, well, this opening video comes up and this shows all the craziness of happening on Raw with basically the inmates running the asylum and Ric Flair not having control, but a lot of the focus is on Triple H and Taker the stuff that's been happening with them even going back to back to um the build-up to backlash it has some some stuff from that too so um kind of neat because there actually is a storyline here a lot of these yeah. uk pay-per-views have just been regular matches not a lot of build but this one actually has some story to it so which makes the match more fun oh absolutely it gives it a little bit more stakes to it here Taker is interviewed backstage by old, good old Jonathan Coachman, and Coach says, uh, you know, as uh, one of the most eagerly anticipated matches in WWF history. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's hyperbole much? So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, sort of anyway. like uh, Vince and Flair being the most the, important <laughs> segment ever in uh, all time of human history yeah <laughs> so this is apparently we're about to cover the most eagerly anticipated match in wwf history Good i had no Lord, idea man. and i've never seen it until last week so <laughs> how can we even uh, call anyway. ourselves fans exactly how can we do that well taker says you see coach i'm in a real bad mood tonight it doesn't matter the passion desire comeback ability at your bleach i will show no remorse I will show no passion in the beating I give Triple H tonight. Then he puts over, but he does put over how Triple H eats, sleeps, and drinks the wrestling business. And he says, you know, this business gives me an opportunity to beat people up for a living, and that's the way I like it. You know, he rambles on about Triple H coming back from injury and dealing with the McMahons. And then I think he kind of gets lost here at the end of this promo because I'm going to say exactly what he said, and you just tell me if it makes sense to you. He says, but if he has any dreams, any hopes at all of conquering his biggest obstacle, that being me, his dreams will be shattered and any hopes of revenge. And the fact that I'm the reason that he lost the WWF Championship, those thoughts will rest in peace. But if he has any dreams, any hopes at all of conquering his biggest obstacle, that being me, his dreams will be shattered and any hopes of revenge and the fact that I'm the reason he lost that World Wrestling Federation Championship, those thoughts will rest in peace. Wow. Okay. <laughs> it's like he went back to 1997, rest in peace, but then he 
I don't know, man. He was all over the place there. So it happens to the best of us. It does. It does. Yeah. And that's, anyway, he's that's not that been happens. saying rest in peace. For no. <laughs> yeah. Since he came back, he's like, I don't know what to do here. I'm just gonna <laughs> toss that out of there. That used to work. Like you can see him, like he, like the way I just paused when I said "rest in peace." Like he does that. He pauses. Like he's like he's like, "Dang it! I didn't mean to do that." <laughs> anyway, let the dead man creep back in. So. He is man, dead man ink. He's got it written on his do rag as he rides out to the ring uh, yeah. down the very great do rag. Great do rag, man. Uh, down the very skinny <laughs> rampway here. Although I really like the setup. The, the stage oh, yeah. was cool, but the ramp was barely fit his motorcycle on it. Yeah. Oh, uh, man. And, of course, he gets a great pop from the crowd because he's the Undertaker, and the crowd yeah. cheers for that music, that Lint Biscuit music, which is why I think they're going to change it here very soon. Um, mm-hmm. And then Triple H comes out. He gets a really strong reaction as well. Yeah, and when he comes out, you know, JR's like, this is a Raw-only event, but Triple H is here. And it says, you know, maybe Vince is trying to get rid of Triple H sooner than later, so maybe he allowed this. I don't know. But, uh, it, again, they're just – they can't even get this crap straight, so they don't even know what – the left hand has no idea what the right hand's doing. So yeah, exactly, um, exactly. It is. But, you know, maybe that plan ride was so – I don't know if the plan ride from Hill happened on the way there or on the way back. I think it's the way back. I'm pretty it? sure it's the way back. Yeah, but anyway, I say if this way there, maybe they just he doesn't drink, so maybe they put him in this match. But uh, I think this is the plan all along because this is really the the biggest uh, profile match they could have given these UK fans. Because I think Austin, uh, who did he fight earlier in the night? He fought Big, Big Show. Show. Yeah, so that wasn't going to be uh, something special to put on last. So anyway, but um, we got Jr. and King on commentary again, like like we have been usual, and so it's. Uh, Gonna get some good stuff here. The match kind of starts off with a slugfest right in the middle of the ring. So they're taking it to each other. Um, yeah, not doing a pose down, not doing the introductions like you know you get nowadays. Just two men fighting. <laughs> yeah, especially after that raw segment that we started off yeah. with. Man, these guys are not gonna lock up with each other, and that's a signature of this mm-hmm. version of the Undertaker as well here. As they uh, Triple H, he is. Killing Undertaker here at first, man. Hits a high yeah. big back body drop on the Undertaker, man. Undertaker goes yeah. up high, Ric Flair style for this mm-hmm. back body drop. And King even notes on commentary, he's like, I don't think I've ever seen the Undertaker back body drop before. <laughs> and I can't remember ever seeing that either. Uh, I don't remember that either, man. I remember seeing Kane take one, but I don't remember Taker taking one. So, yeah, pretty neat to see that there. And I just want to mention too the UK fans they're blaring their horns. They're not they're yeah. not really doing many soccer chants, but they got the horns going and it's just man, it's just they're zany. That's a good word for it. Zany. I like it. <laughs> so they add a lot to it. But um well, it wouldn't be an Undertaker match on pay per view if he didn't brawl on the outside. So we gotta let's head outside and start brawling there and Taker gets thrown into the ring post head first. Hasn't split his head open just yet, so not not there. Not quite there yet. Uh, but yeah. as they're fighting outside, nice little touch. Triple H keeps rolling back into the ring to break the count so they don't get counted out. I know we've picked on them for not doing that a lot of times in some of these Undertaker matches we've covered. But uh, So we need to point out when they are uh, keeping kayfabe and, and doing stuff like that. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's because it's Triple H. He's such a freaking ring general and a pro, so he's paying attention to little things like that. So 
Well, another pro, too, is Taker because they get back in the ring and Taker has a short-arm clothesline, and then, like you put over, he immediately goes for cover. Like, again, he's trying to win a wrestling match. Like, yep. it just seems so real. He just, from the get-go, is trying to get the win. So, plus, he probably don't want to be in his, I mean, kayfabe-wise, he doesn't want to be in the match along with this guy who's going to beat him up with his sledgehammer, yeah. you know? So, he's yeah. ready to just get, get out of Dodge, you know, get it over with and move on. So, And that's why he's going to head up top for old school, but unfortunately... Triple H jerks him off. The top rope. <laughs> JR screams. Triple H jerking the Undertaker off the top rope. <laughs> With the pause in there as he catches himself. <laughs> yeah, he did, didn't he? Oh my god. <laughs> oh, well, it was UK only, paper. You never know. So. <laughs> you can do what you want over there. Oh, speaking of, did you see that Molly Holly promo earlier? I skipped over that. She shows a, a paper from the the um, the uh, UK, and it yeah. has nudity on it. You know, she oh. says some topples on the front page. So that's how I know I've never seen this paper. I didn't remember that. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna avoid saying what Jr. said, but we'll move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh well, after that, Triple H's gonna hit a, a wrestling move, a vertical suplex, and then a. Run an elbow, and then Taker starts kind of playing possum Dude, uh, there, he, and then he's being Ric Flair this whole time. Yeah, man, he he's like begging off like Flair does. It's great. Yeah, it really is. So he's uh, I haven't seen him get this much uh, offense put on him and sell as much uh, yeah. as he has this Triple H match, and not in recent memory. So uh, it's been good. So they go outside, and Triple H starts rocking Taker's head off the announce table just repeatedly. Um, good stuff, man. Just they're really brutal. They're really uh, trading big shots here in this match. Oh, they are one hundred percent. They're brawling around the outside. Triple H rolls back in the ring first, but Taker gets up on the apron and hits that apron stunner that we've seen him hit a number of times uh, to sort of take over here. Uh, gets back in the ring. It's a big running clothesline into the corner, uh, and they're you know just continuing the match along here. Yeah, and during all this melee here, Triple H actually puts his hands on Hebner and throws him to the side. Just tosses him like a wet dish rag. And I, why is that not a DQ in this I, match? I don't. No idea. I don't get it. Because he's gonna do it again later. He's gonna hit him again later too. Um, but um, and it, during this uh this this part of the match, J, uh, Jr. calls Taker the most ruthless competitor this business has ever seen. So. I really enjoy they're putting him kind of on a pedestal as the big time heel here. They always do, man. Yeah. So Triple H can get a hope spot, but Taker starts attacking that left leg and working it, locking on that leg vice, that leg lock that he's been doing recently. And Triple H, uh, with his other leg, starts kicking Triple, starts kicking Taker across the face to free himself. Then we're gonna get a big spot in the match here. It's gonna change the game, if you will. Pun, pun. Uh, no pun intended. Oh, pun completely intended. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Triple H Irish whips Undertaker into the ropes, and the top rope completely buckles here. It, yeah. Undertaker nearly goes flying over to the outside, but ends up catching himself. But it does look like the snapping of it hurts him. He kind of falls to the ground, and we see Hebner checking on him and saying, He's okay, uh, yeah. but and you can also kind of hear Undertaker 
talking to Earl Hebner in this moment, telling him to mm-hmm. can't exactly make out what they're saying, but it seems like he's telling him to check on the rope, see what's going on, and him and Triple H are trying to figure out what to do here, and Undertaker gets in a quick Death Valley blow to kind of create some space between him and Triple H. Yeah. It looks like, man, they've got to completely reconfigure this entire match. This is not something you see very often. Uh, well, we've seen it a few times, but it's it's definitely the first time we've ever talked about it here on this podcast, man. It's it's right. What do you what do you do when that sort of thing happens? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Luckily for these two guys, they're both pros. They're both ring generals. They both know this business in and out. They both know how to call it in the ring. So that's exactly what they do here. I would love to hear like an interview with them yeah. about this match and hear like what actually went through their minds, you know? I mean, besides um, an actual injury to somebody, this is pretty much the worst your worst nightmare right. when you're in a match. It's for the ring yeah. to break not on purpose. Right. You can't Irish whip into the top rope, you can't do superplexes, you can't yeah. do old school and actually hit because you know he's gonna hit old school later on. You know, he didn't hit it yet, so um, well, you yeah, see it uh, as you go along. I get you don't always think about it, but there's so, like that's such a transitional thing to do in a wrestling match is to push somebody into the ropes, whip them into the ropes, put them in the corner, mm-hmm. do all that sort of stuff. That's like just uh, like this little connective tissue between so many yeah. wrestling moves, and they're like they have to, they're stopping themselves from doing it at certain points here and trying to figure out how do I get to the next move without doing something like that or without bouncing myself into the ropes and you know right that doesn't always that's not always what you think about when you watch wrestling but you see how important it is when this happens we take it for granted and then when it's taken away you don't realize how much you miss it and you don't know what you got till it's gone you know so to quote uh Johnny Mitchell indeed <laughs> or Adam you mean Durant, Adam Durant? Whichever, so. <laughs> Johnny Mitchell. So, but um, anyway, well, and before they get to figuring things out, I guess just to kind of take a break here, Taker's going to lock on a rear chin lock in the middle of the ring. Triple. Oh yeah. Get, let's calm down. Let's see what's going on. Let's collect our faculties and see how we're going to get from from uh, point A to point B here. So That's exactly what it um, is. Yeah. Yeah, it's great, man. But Triple H fights out with a back suplex, and then Taker goes, "I want to kill him." <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> it's, it's, he's it's excited and violent, and they do a double clothesline in the double down spot. So they're just, you know, between the rear chin lock and the double down, they're really just kind of bringing it down for a minute here to let the crowd, uh, let themselves figure out what to do next, and then. Um, oh yeah, you can uh, get even, the crowd down. You can even kind of hear him calling Undertaker calling out spots to Triple H here yeah. and to Hebner as they're down on the ground trying to lay out the rest of this match. Mm-hmm. Right. But Jr. during this time is talking about how physical this match is. They, you know, they've even broken the top rope. You know, so yeah. physical and hard hitting, which um really, you know, it's it really is. I mean, you didn't, you wouldn't see this coming. I didn't see this coming when I watched started watching this match. You know, I really didn't see this match being like this. But it's been. Pretty physical so far, even with the top turnbuckle breaking. Taker keeps it going. He goes for a running boot in the corner, but Triple H moves, and Undertaker crotches himself. And then uh, Triple H goes for a neck breaker, but Undertaker gets right back up. So <laughs> Triple H goes for it again. Why not? <laughs> it might be one of our matches. We <laughs> do a million DDTs on each other. Yeah, yeah. He's like swinging neck breaker. Oh, that didn't work. Regular neck breaker. Okay. Then he hits the spine buster to get a two count. So, <laughs> yeah. 
he's trying everything. And then he goes, Triple H goes for a pedigree, but then Taker kind of thwarts it and hits a big boot. Um, then he goes for a choke slam, but Triple H counters it with something that happens. <laughs> Even King's like, well, I didn't see it. So, yeah. But it's in the re- in the replay, you can tell what it is. But yeah, he's going for when a it DDT. Happened, the camera didn't. Yeah, yeah. It's, which is a pretty cool counter, which, in fact, JR calls it the slickest counter to the choke slam that he's ever seen. Eh, I don't so, know about that. No, that's, again, hyperbole much, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, he's he's calling it like he's supposed to. But it was a DDT, and uh, I did like that spot when they showed the replay of it. Yeah. It was pretty cool looking. So, But when, as it happens in real time, you're like, what? What just happened? What just happened? <laughs> Who did that hurt? You know, it's one of those moves. <laughs> Well, they're probably asking themselves that again here as Undertaker whips Triple H into the turnbuckle again and it just busts the top rope even more. It continues. <laughs> yeah. The ring continues to fall apart as they're probably thinking, all right, let's just let's just end this thing, man. Let's get to the finish here. Uh, so Undertaker goes for a chokeslam on Triple H and it only gets two. And uh, yeah. I'll tell you what, man, the crowd is still into this match despite the ring mm-hmm. collapsing in front of them and I probably the plan for their match collapsing around them. The crowd's still into sure. these guys. What they're doing here, they're they hadn't panicked. They hadn't rushed to anything. They're they're still trying to uh, use their time and, and put on a good match. Yeah, and um, like you said, Taker in that choke slam and him kicking out of it. That's kind of a rare thing, you know, at this point sure. in his career. And so then Taker goes to the outside and gets a steel chair, and Hebner tries to take it from him, and Triple H. Boots it into Taker's face, which is a kind of a callback to his match, Taker's match with Austin last month. That's what happened, you know, with him and Austin. So, um, DDT by Undertaker gets a two count, and again, it's just big move after big move, in my opinion. They're just really, they're really ramping up the intensity and the big moves and the big spots in this this uh, during this final little stretch of the match here. Undertaker, we're gonna see him do the throat slash to really signal that it's over, and he's gonna go for the old TCB. A uh, little dragon sleeper that we've been seeing him do lately, but Triple H ain't gonna have that. He hits a clothesline, and then Undertaker sends Triple H into the turnbuckle and goes for the snake eyes, which uh, we haven't seen him do in a while, I don't think. But Triple H ain't having that either. No, and there's just, I just wrote my notes at this point. There's so much talking between these two. You can see oh, yeah. him carrying the match out. It's just like. Um, yeah, there's just so much going on. But again, they had to because yeah. they had to figure out how this match is going to end. So, like you said, yeah, Snake Eyes by Taker and then Triple H just out of nowhere hits n- another high knee, hits a pedigree, covers Taker for the three count, and gets the win at 14 minutes and 29 seconds in what JR calls one of the hardest fought victories of his career. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. JR's in hyperbole mode here tonight. Oh, yeah. Had a few too many fish and chips, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> But it was honestly, I kind of enjoyed this one. It, um, I thought I was really impressed with how they covered for the the ring breaking and carried on throughout it. Didn't panic, just did, f- finished the match like the pros that they are. And you know, it's kind of a sight to see there. Uh, you don't see that too often, so it's sort of an interesting spectacle, uh, if nothing else. Yeah, and, and originally in my notes, I wrote it was pretty standard affair. Um, until the end there when it kind of ramped up once the mm-hmm. turnbuckle broke and everything. But in hindsight, when I was going back and re- kind of rereading on my notes, this match got me thinking back on it. This ending reminds me of their second and third WrestleMania matches. Uh, the one of those which we witnessed okay. live and the other one was the Hell in a Cell where it's lots of big moves, lots of counters to big moves, 
Um, not a lot of like wrestling and psychology so much, but it's just big because I think between the Hell in a Cell and then the match we saw at WrestleMania 27, that was a no DQ match. All the table spots, all the you know turnbuckle spots, all that stuff. So this match to me at Insurrection is a kind of a precursor to that Triple H and Undertaker match that they're going to have at WrestleMania. So I don't know. That's just kind of what the feeling I got when I went back and revisited it in my mind. So. I don't know if you feel that way or not. If it makes sense or not, but to me, it just felt that way. Yeah, I not think... as not not as epic at all, but by right. any means. But I'm just saying, like the way they just it was just big spot, big spot, big spot, hard hitting move, going for chairs, all that kind of stuff. Really, not a lot of quote unquote psychology or wrestling technicality, but I don't know. Yeah, I definitely hadn't thought of it that way, but I think that's a cool analogy to it, and it'll be fun when we get to those matches here. Uh, after a while to look back at that and see those connective tissues and, and see them you know, playing off that sort of stuff and, and see the way that it all flows together. I can't wait. Yeah, because I remember that well, Mania 27 match, some people crap on it, but I thought it was excellent oh, because no way, it was man. just big spot after big spot after big spot. And we were there live, and I can't wait to talk about it because it was great. But anyway... But um, this is going to – Triple H poses in the ring while Taker holds his chin and comes the ramp, and you can tell it's not over between these two, and the announcers even say that too, So, which we'll know. It's not. We're going to see him again in a couple months here. So, Oh, yeah. We will see it here very shortly, but not before Undertaker becomes the number two or now the new number one contender <laughs> for Hulk Hogan <laughs> here on next week's show as he heads into Judgment Day 2002 for an infamous matchup with Hulk Hogan and two of the most incredible wrestle crappiest segments you'll ever see mm. building up to that match. Like we said earlier, it's all downhill from that bloody beatdown with the Yappa Pie strap, man. Ah. <laughs> You're not going to believe how cartoonish this stuff gets next week just to tease you to that here, folks. Uh, but we want to hear what you thought about this match, about this build up. Especially if you've never seen this one before. You know, uh, some of you out there might be discovering these UK pay-per-views for the first time like us. So go give it a watch. Go tell us what you thought about it over on social media. You know where to reach us, at Talking Taker, over on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can always leave a comment on our podcast pages on, you know, YouTube, Podbean, Google Play, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. We love hearing from you. Tout it out. Let the nations know. <laughs> Put it on MySpace. Bye. You know, I know my a lot of MySpace stuff just got deleted recently. So you go start a new MySpace and let them know what you think of Talking Taker. Yeah, Angel Fire page. Sure. We take anything <laughs> we can get here, folks. <laughs> and speaking of social media. Well, let's do this. Actually, we did hear from one person that was at Insurrection yeah. 2002. I know Travis always puts it out there if you were at the show. So, at Polly Richards, that's Polly, P-A-U-L-I, at Polly Richards, let us know that he was at Insurrection 2002. Says it was his first ever WWF show. I guess it was his last ever his WWF last. show. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> but uh, he got to meet RVD and Booker T at a VIP session Dang. beforehand. How about that, man? I uh, said he loved every minute of the show. Uh, he mentions the plane ride from hell in his message to us, which you brought up, <laughs> Travis. And uh, says, you know, what he remembers from the 
Undertaker Triple H match, of course, is the rope snapping and them doing a great job of working around it, which they really did. Yeah. Uh, brings up a couple of things we didn't mention. Says that apparently this show was notable for Hall and Nash making the trip, but despite rumors that they were not going to come overseas. Uh, and then Hogan, who was the champ, was a no-show here. So, talked about right. having this had to be the main event, yeah, because Hogan was not there so much. So, uh, yeah. kind of weird that he did not appear there. Kind of a heelish yeah. maneuver. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, been a heel since the AWA days. We'll get to more of that next week. <laughs> uh, but he yeah. says the crowd was hot for the entire show, which was pretty typical for these yeah. UK shows, man. Um, yeah, so thanks for oh. letting... Oh, go ahead. So I was gonna say, a lot of these matches on this show, honestly, they all had storylines built into them from Raw. They did. Uh, it was kind of neat to see. Yeah, it was really neat. They wasn't just the throwaway matches. They actually all had uh, storylines carrying on from Raw, which I think is kind of neat, and which I think probably played into the, the crowd's uh, hotness. So I don't know, but maybe Pauly can tell us. But anyway, that's cool. And thanks, for Pauly, for t- reaching out to us and letting us know. Because like I said, I always say, let us know if you're there. At Wembley Arena. Sorry, not Wembley Stadium. My apologies. <laughs> well, man, do you have a favorite memory of these UK shows? Which which match is your favorite of the ones that we covered? No, oh, Capital Carnage. Got to be it. <laughs> With uh, Vinny Jones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> J- Joe Briscoe throwing red. The cards. lost episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's true. That was that one. Yeah. It was our lost episode. That's At the right. time, it was our longest episode. We lost it. We had to redo it, but it's still a great episode. Oh, great man. coverage. If you haven't Vinnie seen Jones, that match, go, you gotta see that stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, the good stuff. Undertaker Bret Hart from One Night Only is another really mm. good one. Too, if you've yep. never seen that one, uh, I highly recommend checking that out. Uh, some forgotten Undertaker matches there, and apparently the WWE has forgotten to book the Undertaker for this year's WrestleMania. <laughs> We're uh, three days out as this episode drops here, and the Undertaker's spot on the card, if he is going to have one, is a mystery. Travis, I can't believe it. This could be the first time in 20 years that the Undertaker does not appear at WrestleMania. But I put it out there, or we put it out there to you creatures of the night on Twitter last week. Uh, we wanted to know how you would book Undertaker to make a surprise appearance or match in the most effective and entertaining way. How could you make that work? So I wanted to read out some of these responses and give some shout outs to people who came up with some good ideas. So in case The Undertaker is listening or WWE Creative is listening and you need some ideas, we've got them right here. It's not too late to get them on the card, right? That's right. So let's see here. Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, does anybody say that? Brother, you stole mine. That was the one (laughs) I was going to say here at the end. my bad. That's one no one's been talking about, but... That's right. Think about it. Braun Strowman's there at the end. He's with the two SNL guys, Colin Jost and Michael Che. Maybe they're able to throw him out of the ring somehow at the end, and they're standing tall. But then they're like, why isn't the bell wrong yet? Exactly. Undertaker comes out, choke slams, SNL guys, gives him a tombstone, and Undertaker wins the Andre Battle Royal. Makes the Andre Battle Royal matter for once. Why not? There you go. Why the heck not? Why not? That'd be great. (laughs) I kind of love that idea. Yeah, me too. That's fun. Uh, There is a lot of talk of something going on with Elias. I think that's been a big rumor going on here over the past few weeks. 
Um, one guy at J Marks PhD said, "Have Elias go out there and talk trash." <laughs> Doctor J Marks. Yeah, Doctor J Mark. You know, he uh, <laughs> he's got some credibility. Yeah. He uh, went to the same school as Doctor Tom and. Dr. Thugnomics, yeah. yes. Says, I uh, haven't mentioned Sting's name. Sting shows up and confronts Elias, mm. has some other heels come out, beat up on Sting. Taker comes out. He and Sting clear house. They have a tense stare down. Crowd chants, holy, you know what. So, what do you think of that one? Man, that got me thinking, what about a Sting and Undertaker tag team? Ooh. Holy crap. Do that. <laughs> Part two part-timers sharing the ring. I don't think anyone said anything quite like that. Uh, but there's a lot of a lot of, great. a lot of Elias talk, a lot of Sting talk. Yeah. Uh, at Phenomenal Omega said, if you want to create a massive markout moment with a huge WrestleMania moment going down, have Undertaker and Sting come face-to-face in the center of the ring for the first time ever. It's crazy, man. People Ooh, still yeah. burning that candle for Undertaker and Sting. No, I'm there for it. Always will be. There is also, of course, a lot of talk with Kurt Angle. You know, a lot of people disappointed with Baron Corbin as Kurt Angle's opponent. So, you know, you got some people saying uh, Kurt Angle beats Corbin quickly. This is at Aaron Mullins23. He says, Kurt Angle beats Corbin quickly. Lights go out and Taker makes his entrance challenging Angle in a career versus career match. Not a bad idea there. Um, I don't know they'll do another career because Triple H's career is already on the line. That's true. Who knows? Might be too much. But Uh, it is Angle's last match anyway, in a sense. Who knows? uh, Philip Goad chimed in and said, I agree with the Angle idea, but I would have had that become Taker's new role. Let's literally make him WWE's Grim Reaper who takes legends out. So (laughs) he just comes and buries (laughs) people when they're done. (laughs) The new legend killer. Uh, that's funny. Uh, shout out to our friends at the Bottom Line Cast who gave us the idea. Said Kurt Angle makes quick work of Corbin, gets on the mic, says he wants some competition, and they add in that Undertaker comes rolling out on his motorcycle down the mm. ramp, doing the old ABA gimmick, and they square off. But then they get interrupted by the revival or somebody. Somebody who loses all the time, they said, and Taker and Angle beat the crap out of them. So, not quite a match, but an appearance there, teaming up with Kurt Angle to help put him over strong at the end. I could see something like that happening. Yeah. You know, the last, um, golly, since WrestleMania play button, what was that, 31? That's 31. WrestleMania just push play, yeah. Since WrestleMania push play, they've had these really long, just random segments in WrestleMania. That was the Ronda Rousey rock one. The next year, I think, was Rock and was that Bray Wyatt? <laughs> Rock and, and Eric Rowan. Uh, Eric Rowan had a six second, but like they've been doing these long promos. Even WrestleMania 30 had the opening thing yeah. with Rock and Hogan and Dang Gummit with, Rocks uh, and all these things. Well, you had stuff with the New Day and Austin yeah. and Foley and um, yeah. uh, uh, HBK. Yeah, so it could just be like not a match, but just like a segment, you know, like these people, some of these people are going to be mentioning that. So, like, I'd be cool with that too. Doesn't have to be a match to Taker's in, but just a segment is kind of neat. So that's what I'm thinking. This Elias thing could come to fruition. He could just, you know, interrupt because everyone interrupts Elias. Well, now it's a gong, you know. So that'd be yeah, kind of neat. Something so. interrupting him. Yep. Um, yeah. And then the last ones I'll mention. Uh, there is the other 
thing that people have been talking about is something involving Brock Lesnar here. Uh, at BHB Fearless says, Brock beats Seth. Heyman says, nobody can beat my client and is about to leave. Then Roman comes out and says, you're not leaving that yard with my belt. Then the lights go out and Taker arrives for an impromptu triple threat match where he writes the wrongs of his two WrestleMania losses. So tying in the only two men to have beat him at WrestleMania. Uh, I think that's a long shot, but I mean, I don't know. I could get into that. I think that's a long shot, but man, that's actual. It's got actual storyline built into it, so right. I think there's no way they'd possibly do that because it makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> I just don't think they're with it enough right now to make that make sense. So they yeah. don't. But uh, you can go check that tweet out on our page at Talking Taker. Read some of these other responses and ideas. We kind of hit some of the fun ones on there, but I appreciate everybody throwing in these ideas. Yeah, uh, I would enjoy seeing any of those more than hopefully. You know, well, more than what he's got booked now, which is nothing. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hopefully, someone's out there listening and we'll book Undertaker uh, in some sort of segment here at WrestleMania. It just, you know, I know some people are ready for him to retire and just let it go, but we're not ready for that yet, man. We're not ready to see him say goodbye and not have a proper goodbye after that weird stuff with Cena last year and on these Saudi pay per views. The bald know. head match. Yeah. Come on, man. You got to have <laughs> yeah. something something better than that to go out on oh yeah for sure his last match was the bald-headed old man match right and yeah the crown jewel Saudi, yeah yeah so yeah you can't mask falling off and all that stuff (laughs) (laughs) i can't wait to cover that oh it's gonna be be so good anyway well Uh, yeah uh good stuff we're excited to see what actually happens at mania so one last shout out here tonight before we wrap it up to our buddy Jay Stanley, one of our original creatures of the night, a guy that we've known for many, many years. I've known him all the way since elementary school, uh, but we've been friends with him. We've watched many Monday Night Raws and, and pay-per-views with him, and he is, uh, listens to every episode. Hopefully he's not listening to this one because he's on his honeymoon. He just got married last weekend. I hope he puts this one on pause for a little while and enjoys his time out on the beach but congratulations jay hope you are takering <laughs> hope you take it hope you take her easy out there i can't even do my own catchphrase but that's why i let you do happy it, birthday man. as well <laughs> <laughs> happy birthday old jay bird yeah absolutely man well um yeah big shout out to him and all those who just chimed in about uh takers mania involvement we'll see what happens and we'll We'll mention it next week, cause, briefly, because we don't want to cover it until we get to the actual episode. But uh, we'll, we'll briefly mention it, or if something crazy and uh, amazing happens, we'll maybe do a little exclusive you know, YouTube on it or something that we've had done before. So anyway, those of you who are at the Wembley Arena in London on May 4th, 02, before the play right from hell, let us know. Um, Thanks to Polly for letting us know. Anybody you, else that was there? If you were on the plane ride from hell, let us know. I think it was a private plane. If you're one of the stewardesses uh, who sued. If, if Michael Hayes is listening, you let us know. Yeah, Let us know what it felt like to get your point cut off. If Ric Flair or The Undertaker used to be your t-ball coach, let us know. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, that being said, I got nothing more. Than that. So we got only two more words for you, ladies and gentlemen. As you take care of business, how about you just take her easy? After the sacrifice in Sacramento, brother.
as I was in that slow rolling coffin on the way to the emergency room. As I waited free faded breath coming out of Jimmy Hart's body that I thought might be his last. I glazed down into his eyes, Ric Flair. Yes, Jimmy Hart was muttering, was stammering, trying to get the words out. I finally understood one word coming out of his mouth. Ric Flair, the steel cage wasn't the answer, brother, to our problems. The thousands of Hulkamaniacs that I had to strap back to keep off your back, Jack, wasn't the answer to the problems. But when I heard Jimmy Hart on the way to the emergency room, in that slow rolling coffin, muttered the words, Yappa Pie, brother. I knew the answer to the problem, Ric Flair. The Yappa Pie Indian strap match, Jack. That's what Jimmy Hart was calling for, brother. And now that I know, with the powers to be watching my back, I can box you in contractually. I can corner you in, brother. And if we are bonded together with a leather man, if we are bonded together with no one in our way, as I strap that flesh, as your flesh bubbles and burns over your whole body, you will understand, my man, what the Yappa Pie mean by the Indian strap match flare. I'm calling your bluff, man. I'm the greatest wrestler of all times. And when I strap my wrist to yours, brother, the transformation as my eyes roll in the back of my head, as the smoke comes out of my nose, the leather will be your last lifeline to the professional wrestling world, brother. I will beat you within an inch of your life and in the Yappa Pie Indian strap match, Ric Flair. I will prove that you will bow down to me for an eternity, brother. Ah, yeah. Ah, yeah. Ah, yeah.